Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the don't nearly view system, DLS. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello and a very warm welcome to The Offside Rule. We get it with myself, Kate Borsay, and she's hula 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 Lindsay Hooper. <laughs> I haven't had that intro before. Brilliant, brilliant. How much can we keep that going in terms of originality as we're four and a half years in? <laughs> Uh, just myself and yourself today, Lindsay, and some exciting things happening in the coming weeks as well, which hopefully um, you will find more out about via our Twitter, which actually, if you don't follow us on Twitter, you should do, at Offside Rule Pod for Twitter. Facebook is uh, The Offside Rule, and our website, OffsideRulePodcast.com, the fount of lots of informative articles. Again, we don't do breaking news on that. What we do is fan opinion. Uh, we do takes on different subjects to do with football and actually one of our writers Tom predicted Lincoln City's success so you can even call us Mystic Meg on that website as well pop over and have a look at everything there is to see speaking of which I want to go through our archives I want to dredge up I think it was round about March last season before Leicester City won the Premier League and were champions I said in a podcast I wouldn't be surprised if they win the Premier League this season and get relegated next Oh, my season. God. Are you, are you that desperate for some sort of accolade? I'll go and buy, in, buy you an award myself if you're looking for some recognition. Because trying to find a podcast with you saying that on, and I'm talking about the website here, but quickly, it's back to the podcast. <laughs> I'm just wanting to torment myself because imagine if I'd put a pound on that. Yeah, it's a bit like the bloke who, who put money on it. Was it 60,000 to one or 250,000 to one or something where he won two? £150,000 anyway. Uh, that's last season. This season, very different tale for Leicester. And actually, we're going to be uh, talking all things FA Cup in this podcast very shortly as well. We'll have a quick reflection on what's happened. Uh, we've got the draw as well. But also, we'll be looking at our favourite FA Cup moments because it wouldn't be the FA Cup without a little bit of looking back through the ages. We're also, a little bit later on, going to be talking Lost in Translation. This is funny. Um, apparently, uh, when he first arrived at Spurs, this is according to Jermaine Genus on the radio the other day, Roman Pavlyuchenko didn't know a word of English, so he used to communicate noises. Now, if you think that that's weird, like, can I go to the toilet? <laughs> he would, you, you kind of have to watch this for it to be funny, but Jermaine Genus was describing how Pav would, would, would sort of come over to them and go, how are you doing? Is everything okay? And he'd go like, and, and like thumbs up and stuff like that. Slightly harder to translate over audio, but... You should be used to this having a two-year-old. Yeah, it's true, actually. I should be a very good interpreter. Um, So I'd like when the language barrier gets in the way in football, not necessarily noises, but uh, when things haven't quite translated, and there's so many foreign footballers in our game and players playing out of their own home country, some of whom, like... Mitterkarian speak is he six five or six, six languages six languages he speaks clever chap uh, only Wenger to surpass him with seven as far as I know mm. well so I'd like yeah examples of uh, the language barrier getting in the way um, how much is that soccer club in the window <laughs> uh, the one with the 
10 million pound striker. Uh, so at Red Bull, apparently buying a club in Hungary. And they already own RB Leipzig, of course, in Bundesliga. Uh, and new club Minnesota United about to enter the MLS when their season uh, starts. No shortage of new kids on the block. Um, so I'd like to have a little look at um, football teams who have had a major rebrand, major relaunch, um, or been founded, started from nothing in the last 10 years, and look at how they're doing now. First up, though, we're going to talk FA Cup. The offside rule, we get it. The female take on football. What a fantastic weekend we have just had. The last-minute winner uh, for Lincoln City at Burnley puts Lincoln in the history books uh, not for over 100 years as a non-league club made it through to the quarterfinals uh, of the FA Cup. 103. Thank you for your exacting knowledge there. Um, Funny game also because of Joey Barton's bizarre dive, uh, apparently attempting to get uh, Matt Reid, one of the Lincoln players, sent off. Just unnecessary and textbook Barton. You know who I think he's turning into? Chris Eubanks (laughs) Sr. I think, you know, with the flowery language and just put you off the scent of something by just making up nonsense just put big words mm. together and see what happens mm. i think his plan of attack is that if he if he thinks he might have sort of gone in the wrong a bit and and and, and what an idiot as well you know you're playing a non-league team there's a hugely romantic story about this that is not the showcase to be trying to get players sent off and doing bizarre dives and everything else that's not one of the stories that you want to be remembered no. nor is the piting scenario no. Oh, yes, news just in, we hear today, Linz, um, that uh, Sutton United and Wayne Shaw, their reserve goalkeeper, caught eating a pie on the sidelines of Parted Company. Yeah, um, well, everyone thinking that it's linked to some sort of betting yes. coup. I, I don't know whether he did do something mm. for those reasons. Um, it's not just about the pie, is it? No, and I think he was being called a pie eater and different things, and it might have been that he was just making a bit of fun. Right. Um, I don't think he was taunting Arsenal at all. I don't think that's the sort of club that they are. But whatever it is, whatever they've got to the bottom two, or whatever the club have decided they think was his motivation, it has resulted in him losing his job, which is just tragic. Mm. Apparently, I mean, despite everyone looking at his size and thinking it wasn't as athletic, as we expect in football. <laughs> That's a very nice way to put it. I know. Um, I thought I did very well there. Um, but he was very talented. Very, very good goalkeeper, apparently. He didn't have enough chances and he only played about three times, I think, this season. But We know he's going to be advertising a brand of pies very soon, though, right? Yeah, and apparently someone, I think it was Morrison's, got in touch with him about being a pie taster. Oh, very important job indeed. Uh, so that was Lincoln. Um, Millwall's dramatic 1-0 win. Um, against ten Leicester men. with 10 I men. Really ate the microphone. Sorry. I just thrust the microphone into Lindsay's face uh, and, and, and sort of alarmed her as she said 10 men. So if you're listening to this and, and you hear 10 men, that was uh, half a microphone in Lindsay's mouth. Uh, well done me for my microphone skills. Um, yes, Millwall. Uh, well done them. You know, particularly with all the stuff. I mean, I'm, I, I, I live in South East London. I caught wind of this quite a few months ago. Um, there's a big um, big hoo-ha going on with Lewisham Council about um, some new flats being built and who owns the land and how all that's worked out. But with all that noise going on in the background, um, I think it was great for Millwall to put in that performance, kind of a message of defiance, I suppose. Um, Tottenham played really well against Fulham. Man City held to a draw by Huddersfield. Yeah, so that replay, um, the only replay from from that round to get into the quarterfinals. And I thought Manchester City, it was complacency, wasn't it, at at its Mm. finest? Because Mm. Huddersfield have been in good form. I think there was a little bit of thinking that they would walk it. um, And we see that 
so many times in the FA Cup where teams come in and think, you know what, probably we can field our second, third tier squad as a Premier League side and we'll be all right. And this is showing that actually, no, there is still passion out there. There's mm. still uh, teams that want to do really well and hopefully we'll get some sort of upset along the way. I would love it not to be an all Premier League final, although it's difficult to see that happening. Um, just a quick word on the Blackburn manager, Owen Cole. He's um, been asked to leave the club as well. So that's since 2010, when Vinkis took over, Blackburn looking for their seventh manager in seven years, effectively. Um, last saw him when he was at Charlton. I was doing a final score game this season. Had a little bit of bounce with him afterwards. Yeah. He was really nice. Mm. Really nice guy. I'd never really got to speak to Owen Cole that much. Um, but yeah, I'm sad to see anyone be out of work. You were at Palace today, weren't you? Mm. Um, and you interviewed Sam Allardyce. Obviously important appointment for him post all the England debacle how have you found him in terms of where he's at is he exactly the same as he always was do you think he's been brought down a peg or two because of what happened with England I wondered if the England wranglings were somewhere in his mind as a distraction within this job and I wondered if it was still playing its part but I really don't think it is I mean he was brilliant today I had a good 20 minutes with him and, and I sat down with him and he gave me really lengthy well thought out answers it was a really great interview actually one of my favourites that I've done this season from the sense of him opening up him being really honest I didn't feel that he was um, feeding me a line mm. that there was anything of that I thought he was he was quite frank about some of the mm. things that have gone on and let's not forget this is the worst start that he's had in his managerial career from taking over at a club so it's quite a difficult time for him to be talking quite openly he could be climbing up and thinking I'm going to keep media limited and restricted but I was the third in a long line of interviews that day uh, today <laughs> talking in the past tense um but he was brilliant with all of us and I I really had a lot of time for him and, and more time for him from now on after that experience all right well let's move on to um some of our favorite FA Cup moments as we're sort of rounding up uh what's been happening this weekend um the draw etc I think it's always nice to look back, isn't it, at the FA Cup. And um, I think I was reading a couple of days ago about the very first FA Cup final at the newly built Wembley, as it was then in 1923 or whenever it was. Um, 300,000 people poured into Wembley Stadium to watch the FA Cup. The stadium only held 150,000. This was all standing, of course, back in the day. And the standout thing for me from this story is how on earth, because when you look at pictures, there, there are basically members of the crowd on the pitch. There are so many people jammed into that stadium. How on earth was that not a huge tragedy after you, you know, then reflect on what happened in years later with you know, Hillsborough? Um, well, apparently it was down to a horse. Billy the horse kept that crowd in good order. And it's now known as the White Horse Final of 1923. Well, if we're talking favourite FA Cup moments, um, I'm going to go back to 1995. And I remember this as one of the moments that just hooks you in. You know, and you just get the bite, you get that bug for something. And it was an FA Cup game. And it was when Sheffield Wednesday had returned to Molyneux. So remember, 90 minutes of football's already been played, 90 plus minutes. We've got a replay. So they're already there coming back. There's already been a, a lot of time spent in this match. And then they come back and another 90 minutes passes at Molyneux between Wolves and Sheffield Wednesday. And it's one all, 90 minutes full. Extra time, one all. Goes to penalties. Oh. Now, this match has got a lot of other narratives going on. And the main one being one of my dad's favourite players, who then, of course, you take a shine to because you're looking out for mm. them because your dad's mentioning them. Chris Waddle. He'd had that missed penalty at Italia 90. And it was the first penalty oh, that he took 
since that tournament. Pressure. So we're going into the the penalty kicks. And um, I remember, because a couple of my favourite players, I think it might have been just because of his name, but I love John DeWolf. Yes, yes, perfect, perfect, yeah, perfect. perfect. Just liked him for that. Yeah. Uh, but Wolves had actually missed already a couple of penalties. The first two, um, Andy Thompson and Robbie Dennison had missed. So we're two down. And Sheffield Wednesday had scored their first three. Ooh. So you're thinking it's not going the way of Wolves. Yeah. And people start to leave. Now, there's some car parking spaces near the Asda, near uh, Molyneux, that you want to get out pretty smart, quick mm. smart, otherwise you're going to get stuck around that roundabout mm. and the gyratory. But those fans that stayed put were rewarded for being loyal because what happened was penalty uh, hit the bar for Sheffield Wednesday, as far as I can recall. I think there was... Um, well, it, it was Paul Jones, the goalkeeper. He made some absolutely blinding saves. So he saved another one and then it came down to the crunch and John DeWolf had scored, which is uh, which pleased me. Mm. Chris Waddle got his penalty kick saved because Paul Jones had watched his Italian 90, thought he'll go the other way and he did, saved it. So absolutely distraught for Waddle. But then up steps... Don Goodman. Oh, and he... great Don Goodman. Yeah, he hits the penalty into the back of the net, which alleviated a lot of suspicion around him because he'd come from Albion. Yeah. He'd come from our big rivals. Uh, but he got us through to the fifth round of the FA Cup and that's when we faced Leicester next. So I just remember that being one of the epic matches. Mm. And certainly in terms of penalty mm. shootouts, it was brilliant to come back from 2-0 down to, to win 3-2. Um, as a Liverpool fan, of course, one of the great moments for me is 2006, that um, FA Cup final when Liverpool were 2-0 down and then, you know, Steven Gerrard's fantastic goal got us back in it and then after extra time it went to pens and we won. And that that was fantastic for me because although I wasn't there, I was working on air somewhere else. And so, you know, I had full reign to enjoy every single, well, not enjoy a lot of the game actually, <laughs> but, but, but kind of enjoy that fantastic comeback. And of course, after... Istanbul the year before wow. we became you know known for you know switching a game um well and Gerard became known for switching a game um very very easily he had that had that magic ability um so that's one of my all-time memories I'll also give you one away from Wolves because favorite FA Cup memories I don't want to just give my own team so a very quick one we both love the underdog. I know we always really root for the underdog, as do most football fans. I mean, who didn't like Leicester City winning the Premier League? Who doesn't like seeing Lincoln City do well in the FA Cup this season? Um, go back just a few years, 2013, and it was a final at Wembley and you see Wigan versus Manchester City and Manchester City had had all that cash injection. They were mm. overflowing with money and they were spending for yes. fun. And I was thinking, oh, it's never going to happen. Yeah. But I would love it if they were just put in their place by Wigan. And uh, we had to wait a very long time, but Ben Watson, yeah, something he'll never forget, man. header from the corner, and it was the upset of of the upsets of recent years that I really wanted to enjoy, and um, and I think it's one that will be relived over and over, and hopefully something like that will happen again at some point. But yeah, year of the underdog, twenty thirteen. Mm. Well, of course, lots of predictions being made for this year's final. But the fact that Lincoln are through to the quarterfinals is a great success story. And the fact that Millwall are there, um, yeah, and I actually think, you know, Man City will reign supreme against Huddersfield. But that result, in turn, probably did Arsenal a great favour because that was a, you know, a huge red flag. As if there wasn't enough noise going on around Arsene Wenger at the moment. That was the warning, wasn't it? You cannot mess that up against Sutton. Hi, I'm Jeff Stelling, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Three women talking about football 
I'm used to listening to four old women talking about football on Saturday afternoons, so I'll definitely prefer this. I'm going to steamroll straight into topic two, if that's okay, Lindsay. How much is that soccer club in the window? Uh, the Minnesota... Can I pick you up on that and say football club? Well, the reason why I put soccer club here is because uh, Minnesota United are about to enter uh, the MLS uh, for the first time. Red Bull buying a club in every country. They were sniffing around, weren't they, an English Premier League club. I think it's been roundly dismissed now that they will buy um, a Premier League club. I think there's probably not enough in it for them or maybe there's something to do with the with the regulations around what you can buy. But yeah, so far uh, they are uh, not to be doing any business with the Premier League or Premier League clubs. Um, not the same as in Germany though. I watch this space as well with, with that because I just think they might just pop up at some point, um, especially because they seem to do things so well. Um, you look, look at what they did in Austria, uh, produced some great players. We've got Sadio Mane here and other talent that's emerged from their teams. And right now they're investing in youth again and going great guns because the team that I've picked out are theirs. Um, it's RP Leipzig, who are second in Bundesliga at the moment as we record this podcast. Also, by the way, Germany's most hated club yeah. because of Red Bull owning them. And just, I don't think they like anything away from the norm in Germany in terms of uh, they have, you know, salary caps and the way that everything's ran um, follows a certain criteria yeah. and although they aren't going away from it completely they are sort of pushing the boundaries and I don't think people like that I think the Germans are upset because if I'm right in saying most German clubs the fans have a stake in the club and Red Bull is a purely one company owned club and that's why they don't like it because they don't because they feel like it's a big corporation club rather than one of the people you know part of the fans part of the people yeah yeah you're absolutely spot on I, I think within the rules though I don't think they're actually breaching anything but no. anyway um, they are now looking like a club challenging for Champions League football in their first ever season what a feat that is if they pull it off um they they bought the team red bull um and it was it was a team that was based in the suburbs of of leipzig hence the name and they bought them in 2009 and this was a team that was already attracting 41,000 plus supporters mm -hmm. and they were packing out what is now the red bull arena and in that time that they've been in charge They've overseen four promotions in seven seasons. They're doing something right. And I think that something right is investing in youth. Mm -hmm. They have the youngest squad in Bundesliga, an average age of just over 23 years old. And they really are fighting for everything. Um, a lot of people as well in recent weeks, if you've been following Bundesliga, they went through a bit of a dip. So I'm thinking, could they could they maintain this? Could yeah. they maintain trying to keep up with Bayern Munich? Um, they, they lost a couple of games. They came back and they're now doing the thing that many people think is the feature of champions in the making. They're winning ugly now. And if they can win ugly, people think, well, what's next? Tough ground, though, isn't it? Um, Manchester City women relaunched in 2014, January 2014. Within three years, they'd become double winners. Um, and, of course, now they've got Cardi Lloyd, a World Cup winner, American uh, World Cup winner. So um, certainly a, a, a successful relaunch, albeit backed by um, a lot of money and um, a good, you know, a club with good resource. Um, Rangers had to be relaunched after going into administration. They had to go right the way back down the leagues. Um I was interested, you know, talk, talking about sort of new Premier Leagues launching and new clubs launching. I was interested to read that there's a new Quidditch Premier League that's launched. What? Yeah, Quidditch, yeah. Apparently it's the new thing, <laughs> according to Harry Potter fans. I've got no idea, really. 
Um, the club I wanted to pick out, though, um, it was a club I did a, a little bit of work on the other week, Forest Green Rovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never knew this until I started looking at it properly. Uh, there is an energy firm called Ecotricity, just giving them a massive plug, of course, now. Um, but they are an eco-friendly energy firm. And uh, the guy that owns them, Dale Vince, is the chairman of Forest Green Rovers. Um, they're a very eco-friendly club. That I did know about them. They uh, relaunched of sorts. So they were Forest Green Rovers back in the day and, they've, and the actual Forest Green Rovers team has been around for a long time. They were rebranded as Stroud FC and then back to Forest Green Rovers in the early 90s. Um, but really in terms of, of, of sort of being serious contenders, um, still, still in the non-league, but you know hoping to uh, make that entry into the league, it's been a kind of a fairly recent thing. As with all the environmentally friendly stuff, they've got robotic mowers, they've got solar panels, they've got an all-vegan menu there. And now they're trying to build the first ever purely wooden stadium. I had a season reporting on Blue Square Bet Premier and I went to Forest Green Rovers. I have been to the stadium. Mm. I have sat in the seats and I've eaten the food and the food. The vegan w- food. Yeah, and it has won awards. Yes. It won awards um, up and down football. Um, lots of people saying it's the best. I can vouch for the fact it is very tasty. But is it as good as the pie that was consumed by Wayne Shaw? <laughs> I would not want to comment on that. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. The Offside Rule is sponsored by BetOnBrazil.com. It's the betting site for all sports punters with great odds, markets and offers. Listeners to this podcast, good news. You can now get up to £60 deposit match when you use the promo code OFFSIDE. So just uh, pop over, visit BetOnBrazil.com and enter the promo code OFFSIDE when you deposit and we'll match your deposit up to 60 quid. Also, look out for our daily happy hour offers. That's between five and six o'clock. Sign up now at betonbrazil.com. Betonbrazil.com is for over 18s only. Betting should be fun, so please gamble responsibly. The offside rule, we get it. The female take on football. All right, topic number three, lost in translation. It happens to me when I go abroad. I'm sure I say some outrageous things. A good one not to get tripped on, tripped up on, by the way, is when you ask for a full tank of petrol in France, you can also say, I'm pregnant. It's, it's um, a very similar word, I'm pregnant and I want a full tank of petrol. So, you know, pregnancy, I suppose, is having a full tank, but not in the motorway. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, Phil Neville also got caught out with one where he did um, a press conference, and I think it must have been Spanish, and apparently the translation is something very rude, but... Um, Something to do with ejaculating. Oh, really? Yeah. Lovely. Well, talking of uh, sort of English connections, Joe Hart made a bit of a, a boob in September um, by uh, trying to explain in Italian um, that he was very pleased that, his, that, that, that he'd kept a clean sheet, except for there's no such thing as clean sheet in Italian football. There's no translation. Um, he chose the words lenzuola puliti, and Mina, I'm so sorry, Mina Rizuki, if you're listening to this, um, if that's wrong. But it basically means two clean bed sheets. So what Joe Hart said in his post-match or his press conference was, I, was I'm really delighted to have kept two clean bed sheets for this club. <laughs> Where to start? By the way, I will say on personal experience, um, myself and my best friends, Girly Holiday in Spain, managed to order 11 orange juices. We just wanted one. They kept coming. We tried to stop. In the end, we just gave up and said, just bring them out. We'll just have them. There was actually a uh, a restaurant that myself and my friend used to go to several times. We went to the same place in Spain. And I've seen it before, actually, in uh, uh, another couple of Spanish establishments. Um, Squid 
uh, can be translated as sleeves. So if you ever go and see sleeves on a menu, what, what they mean is squid. There's some weird translation issue there. Not sleeves, really sleeves, but just squid rings instead. <laughs> I'm hoping people would realise that they weren't going to be eating fabric um, of some sort. Um, I'm, I'm going to sort of veer off in different directions with this topic, um, just for a few examples. One of them, um, I'm going to start with Harry Redknapp. Do you remember when the Prince of Jordan, he was doing him a favour and he said, can you come and manage for a couple of games out in Jordan? Do you remember that for the national yes. team? Yes, yeah, I do. Well, what he did was he went out there and... <laughs> realised once landing um, that none of the team spoke English. So what you usually do as a football manager, I guess, if you're in that situation uh, where you have a majority foreign-based um, squad, is you rely on the English-speaking players to translate the messages for you. Mm. But he didn't have any. He didn't have anyone. No one spoke English within the team. Um, so he was giving out instructions. And what he ended up doing was relying on a coach, which was um, a, a couple of levels below, but he spoke English and could translate. And what I love is one of these quotes because it just goes to show how little sway Harry Redknapp really had. Mm. He said, but we, we relied heavily on him. And this this goes to show because he talks about having five training sessions before the Bangladesh game. Now, they did go out and win. But he said, we relied heavily on this said coach today to pick the right team. <laughs> so that's how much they were relying on him, hoping that the team that they gave him, he actually did pick oh the right one. Goodness me, how could you get names wrong? That is, um, that is something else. Um, another one is um, agent talk. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk about this because it's like another language. It's not a foreign language, but I think we can say that we can translate it. Mm. It's translatable because what agents say and what they mean isn't really yeah. the same thing. Um, and the company that picked up on this is Hayley McQueen's very own Sky Sports. They had a secret agent and they got him to translate different things. Now, this is an article that made me laugh at the time. I had to dig around to find this. I bet I know who that secret agent is. Anyway, go on. Okay. Um, and this is the translation. We'll go for a few and tell me when you're getting bored. So the quote is, I'm flattered about the speculation linking me with Real Madrid, but I'm a Manchester United player and I want to focus on winning trophies. The translation yeah. is, my agent has spoken with Real Madrid, but I can't sit, be seen wanting a move away from my current no. club or I won't receive a loyalty and other bonuses due to me in a year's time. Um, another one, the player is on too much money for us to consider taking him, the agents say. Um, the translation is, hint to current club, pay the player off so he's not out of pocket when we sign him. You get him off your treatment table and we get a good player on the cheap. Everybody's a winner. Um, and one more, um, a quote, I'm happy to stay, but you can never say never oh, in oh football. God, yeah. The translation is, I'm sat in my front room with a red fluorescent light bulb above my head, <laughs> wearing a thong, yes, yes. wonder bra and footy boots draped suggestively around my neck but I'm really happy where I am boss <laughs> brilliant I like that very much um I remember Sid Lowe talking about this on a podcast several years ago and it sprung to my mind when we set the topic lost in translation and this by the way was sparked by the fact that uh, Jermaine Genus on the radio the, the other day said that Roman Pavlyuchenko used to communicate in noises when he first arrived at Spurs um because he didn't know a jot of English so it was it, it he kind of turned into Joey from Friends like hey, hey how you doing you sort of strange strange noises but uh, Sidlow uh, used to be a translator in fact Jason Mourinho was a translator for Bobby Robson wasn't he back in the day um, but Sidlow tells um, a quite famous story if you've uh, heard a lot from Sidlow in, in the past uh, upon Michael Owen 
um, uh, being in the press room at Real Madrid. He was asked what he thought of Lampard. And from what Sidlow says, he, he's, sort of, he's sort of scribbling bits of things for Michael Owen to say on a pad and then passing it on. Michael Owen declared of Lampard, Esta buenísimo which is meant to mean uh, he's really good. But for those of you who know a lot of Spanish, uh, according to Sidlow, there are two forms of to be in Spanish, um, uh, and he used the wrong one. Basically, Michael Owen, in this press conference, said he'd like to sleep with Frank Lampard <laughs> rather than that Frank Lampard was very good. Uh, he quickly had to correct himself. I can imagine that was very funny. So this one is my own example. Um Last season, I interviewed Nacho Monreal at Arsenal and it was just after Arsenal had beaten Bayern Munich. Can you imagine Arsenal fans? I'm talking about beating Bayern Munich. Um, but you had. And Nacho Monreal and Hector Bellerin had formed this partnership in this match, which had really impressed everybody. Mm. Press were very um, very positive about how they played, um, very complimentary. And so in the first interview afterwards, in my English, I asked Nacho Monreal about how his relationship was developing with Hector Bellerin. Bellerin in defence, note in defence. Um, I got raised eyebrows and a few bulging eyes looking at me because I think he thought I was asking about a relationship. <laughs> so um, it is about lost in translation, yeah. but we managed to get over the line with that one in the end. Yeah, it's tricky when you inadvertently say something and you think, what have I said to provoke this reaction? Um, one of my favourite Mourinho moments, and actually it was just really embarrassing because he clearly was not happy about this, is um, I was doing a job for a broadcaster and they're an international broadcaster and they wanted Jose Mourinho to say um, lots of phrases connected to Chinese New Year, Happy New Year in Chinese, and good luck for the year of the whatever it was, snake or whatever. Um, and so, you know, me being a little reporter, turn up and ask, you know, one of the biggest names in football, if you'd mind reading this list of Chinese. We, we hadn't got a clue what they meant. We didn't even know really how to say them. But somehow or other, the press officer and I managed to cajole Mourinho into sitting down for three minutes and reeling off as many Chinese phrases. And he literally had to look at the paper, learn it, and then look at the camera direct, reel off as many of these things as possible. I just hope that he said them all correctly. I had a similar thing actually with Ronald Koeman and he just does not know what a sheep is. It was the year of the sheep <laughs> and he does not know what a sheep is. We were going, bah, woolly animal, whatever. It wasn't going in. <laughs> I'd love to know what he thought you meant. OK, well, hopefully none of this podcast lost in translation. Um, we've enjoyed speaking to you today. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Um, Hayley's moving house at the moment, so she's knee-deep in boxes, but um, she may well be back next time. And if she's not, you'll definitely hear from her very soon. And some specials coming up on the podcast podcast too so look out for those goodbye see you later the female take on football sports social podcast network